The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Words are powerful. Words are extraordinarily powerful. In fact, your life has been shaped, my life has been shaped, all of our lives have been shaped by the words that have been spoken to us, the words spoken over us, the words spoken about us. Words shape who it is that you see when you look in the mirror. People with extraordinary confidence, they have lost confidence because of words that were spoken about them, and people with no confidence have actually gained confidence because of words that were spoken over them. And the thing that makes this absolutely so fascinating and so difficult and challenging at the same time is that the words, right, the words that we speak and the words that we receive, they are not equally weighted, are they? When you hear negative words from somebody, just hearing positive words from that person, it does not cancel out the effect of those negative words because words are not equally weighted. And at the same time, we rarely remember right? we rarely remember the encouraging words that we hear. In fact, for some of you, you know logically that your parents, that they spoke encouraging words to you at some point, but you don't remember what those words were, right? But you remember the, the sarcastic words, the critical words, the hurtful words, right? You don't forget those words. Those words, they just kind of stick in us and they stick in our hearts. And again, the other thing that's just so interesting about this whole subject is not only are the words themselves unequally weighted, but the source of those words, right? The source is actually unequally weighted as well. As a boss, right, my words weigh like 100 pounds. If you're a mom, your words weigh like 500 pounds. For those of you who are dads and fathers, your words are words. I don't know why, but they actually weigh the most, And perhaps the most overlooked part of this whole dynamic is the fact that the recovery time, right, the recovery time for the words that we experience that hurt, that's not the same either, right? In fact, no amount of words to the contrary is actually going to speed up the recovery time from those words that we hear that that hurt us. And that's why it's so ridiculous if you actually just kind of stop and think about it in a non-emotional way. It's so ridiculous, right, when we say, but I said I'm sorry, right? I said I'm sorry. So why aren't we back to normal, right? I said I'm sorry. Right? I, I said something dumb, you got your feelings hurt, you called me on it, so I said I'm sorry, so why aren't we back to normal? Right? It's just silly. Because the recovery time, right, for words that hurt, it just does it just takes more time than that, doesn't it? It's just it's no different than if I were to accidentally on your way out of the church today, if I were to accidentally slam your hand into the door of the church and say, Oh, I'm sorry, it's an accident, right? It's the same reason why you still have to go to the hospital, don't you? The same is true for our words. Our words hurt. Some words hurt more than others. And some words from some people hurt the most. Now today we are in our series, we're continuing in our series on the book of James. Today is actually the third week in our series. And if you're here with us for the very first time or if you've been with us throughout the series, then um, what we've discovered over these past couple of weeks is that it's pretty amazing um, that a guy who lived 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world, that he actually has so much to say to you and to me today in our world today. And again, if this is your first time visiting with us or if you've missed a couple of messages in this series, then I highly encourage you to go to our website at faithtroy.org 
org, and you can catch up on the messages that you've missed. And you can also share those messages with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing them as well. Now, James, we've talked about this a couple times. James was, in fact, the younger brother of Jesus, which is always just an amazing thought to me, right, that Jesus actually had brothers and sisters. Well, James was Jesus' younger brother. And while Jesus was alive, James did not believe that Jesus was who Jesus claimed to be. But after Jesus physically rose from the dead and he appeared to James, then James realized, okay, um, my older brother apparently really does walk on water. Take out your Bibles, open them up to James chapter 3. We are going to be on page 1,883 if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you today. And one of the things that we've also talked about throughout this series is that when James writes this letter, um, he is writing to people, he is assuming that everyone he is writing to is already a follower of Jesus. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus, these things that we discover in this letter, these are things that we are supposed to do. But if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a church person, if you're not a religious person, right, then the truth is these things are actually optional for you. You get a pass, right? We don't expect you to do what James is saying to you to do because you've never embraced Jesus as your Savior. But you may find, you may find that some of these things, particularly today, that James is going to say are helpful to you and helpful to your relationships as well, because James is about to give us some extraordinary, extraordinary insight. In fact, in case you have to leave early today, or if you're watching online right now and Amazon shows up, it's okay, I'll wait. Just kidding. Right? Instead, I'm just going to give you James' main point right up front. James wants us to understand that our words, right, our words are actually the most powerful thing that we have, that you can actually do more damage with your words than anything else that you possess. Right? Think about it, James is going to say. You can actually destroy another person with your words and not even be in the same room as they are. In fact, your greatest regret relationally, right, in the past, it could have been, or in the future, it could be avoided simply by listening to the words that James is going to share with us today. And let me just say one more thing. If you are here, and if one of the reasons you are not a follower of Jesus is because you just struggle with this whole idea of the Bible actually being true. I get that, completely understand that. I just simply want to say to you that today, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time arguing with the truthfulness of what it is that James is about to say to us. Because James begins by saying this, we all stumble, right? We all stumble in many ways. And then listen to how he gives us some insight about that statement. He says this, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what they say, then they are a perfect person. And it's like, perfect? Really, James? I mean, really? Perfect? What exactly do you mean by perfect? And James says, well, I'm glad you asked. He says, well, they are able to keep their whole body in check. Right? In other words, James is saying, okay, gain control of your mouth. Gain control of your words. And your entire life, your entire life Right? You'll be able to keep your entire body out of trouble. That's how powerful your words actually are. And in case we think James is exaggerating, he goes on and he gives us a couple of examples. He says in verse 3, When we put bits into the mouths of horses, right? so this was his world, but we can picture this, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go, right? And James' point is pretty obvious, right? It's just little thing, big influence. Little thing, big, big influence. He goes on, verse 5, Likewise, he says, just like the bit in the mouth of a horse, just like the rudder on the back of a ship, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great Boast. James is saying the tongue, it has extraordinary power. It has extraordinary influence. In fact, in many ways, your tongue, James is saying, it controls the direction. It controls the destination. And he will even go on to tell us that our tongue controls the quality of our lives. You want more proof? James would say, verse 5, consider. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, the interesting thing is, is that in James' world, most people in his day actually had to imagine that picture because they had never seen a forest fire. You think about the Middle East. But see, in our world today, we don't have to imagine this, do we? We actually see this all the time. In fact, this is a picture that my son um, sent to me last year, just about a year ago, um, outside of his dorm room in, at school and college as the campfire in Southern California, raced up the mountains. He took this picture right before they had to evacuate his campus. Right, and James' point is so clear, right? Something so small. Something so large. This is the very same fire seen by a satellite more than 500 miles above the Earth's surface. And James is saying, this... This caused that. It's almost unbelievable, isn't it? It's almost incredible to think that those two things could actually be connected and related to each other. James says the tongue, right? Verse 6, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. That the tongue, that your mouth, that your words, that my mouth, my words, right? They have the potential for endless evil, James is saying. He says, think about this. Every kind of evil can be initiated with words. A divorce can be started because of words that are spoken. Murders happen because of arguments. Wars have actually been fought over words. And James says it gets worse. The tongue right, the tongue, it has the power to corrupt the whole person. And the truth is we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story in our own lives where our tongue, it just didn't get itself in trouble. No, it got our whole self in trouble. In fact, if you're a parent, you know this, right? If, you're, if your child mouths off to you, who do you put in timeout? Do you put the tongue in timeout or you put the whole child in timeout? Right? If your teenager mouths off to you, do you ground the tongue or you do, do you ground the entire teenager? You don't fire a tongue, you fire the entire person, right? This is James' point. Your tongue, my tongue, our words, they have the potential, right, to cause endless harm. And they determine the direction, they determine the destination, they even determine the quality of our lives. Because James says, your tongue has the potential, right, going back to the fire imagery, to set the course, the whole course of a person's entire life on fire. 
The whole course. In other words, he says, as your words go, so your life goes. As your words go, so your relationships go. You have the potential. I have the potential to burn down all of my relationships with my words. Burn down my marriage with my words. Burn down my relationship with my kids with my words. Burn down my relationships with my friends with my words. Burn down my career. Burn down my future with my words. And see, the truth is, this is a bit convicting for all of us, isn't it, if we're honest? Because some of us have actually scorched the people that we love the most in our lives with our words. And when we are confronted with what we say, what do we do? We respond with more words and we say things like, I was just being honest. I was just mad. I was just drunk. I didn't mean it. And you're all smart people. You know, right? Even if you set a fire by accident, you are still responsible for the fire that you start. And if we haven't connected all of the dots just yet, right, James wants to make sure that we understand. He takes us to the very, very bottom and he says, the fires that you create, that I create with my tongue, that toxic thing in your mouth that has the potential to be so incredibly, incredibly destructive, James says, it is itself set on fire, meaning the tongue, by hell. Now, when James uses the word hell here, he's not talking about a place of torment. He's talking about the source of evil. Right? He's saying, have you ever said something and you kind of hear your words a second after you've spoken them and you think to yourself, okay, where in the world did that come from? James says, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, it came from within you. There is something in you, he's saying, and it's, and it's evil. And it has the potential to do extraordinary, extraordinary harm. But he's still not done. Verse 7, he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, they are being tamed and they have been tamed by man. And when he uses the word tamed, he doesn't mean that we you know, try to make them pets and bring them into our houses, right, even though some of us try, right? What he's saying is, is that we are not threatened, right? Humanity is not threatened by the animal kingdom. But no person, right, no man, no human can actually tame the tongue, right? It, it, there always will be a, an unpredictability about our tongues, about our words. It will never be fully brought under control, it is a restless evil, he says, full of deadly poison. And then to illustrate for all of us just how incredibly unpredictable and hurtful our tongues and our words can actually be, he says something, and this is where it's important to remember that James' original audience were all followers of Jesus because he says this. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and then we turn right around, and with it we curse people who have been made in God's likeness. He says, you say you love God, and then you treat the people that God loves like they're not even human. James says, just think about that for a second. Think about that picture. Let that settle in. There is something wrong with us. That out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, and then James leans into all of us and he says, he looks at us and he says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, it should not be. 
This should not be. For somebody to be able to say that they love God and then turn around and with the very same tongue curse the people God says he loves, they should not be. And so he asks a question. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? In other words, he says, okay, the tongue is amazing if you think about it, right? Because it's the only place that we see two things that are opposite from each other actually coming from the same source. The tongue is amazing in that way. Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither. Neither can a saltwater spring produce fresh water. James says it is incredible when you just stop and think about it, what our tongues will do. And then what, James, what comes next is an absolute shock. The end. Dear Jesus, thank you for such an encouraging sermon today from Pastor Joe. Right? The end. He just stops, and he leaves us hanging there, and it's like, okay, wait, 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 wait a minute, James. You can't be done. you, you got to give us some hope. you got to give us some application. James, you got to tell, what, what, what do we do with all of this? But that's it. He's done. He's off to the next topic. He just ends right there. Because see, James knows, James knows, there is no once and for all solution for this. There is no, hey, once you get to be this age, once you've matured to this point, once you've learned these things, right? James knows that this is a constant battle. There is no once and for all solution. That your tongue, my tongue, is a constant potential for great good. It is also a constant potential for great Harm that our tongues, they control the direction, they control the destination, they control the quality of not only my life, but also my family's life. And so we can never, we can never leave it unguarded. So what do we actually do with this dangerous, unpredictable thing that every single one of us just walks around with? James would tell us this, he would say, own it. Own it. Right, Because he knows, again, this isn't an if, this is a when. Right? This isn't I've graduated, I've moved beyond that, I've matured beyond that. James says, no, you don't mature past this. You, you manage this. You guard against it. When you create a fire with your words, when you mess up and you break another person with your words, you immediately, you own it. You don't explain, you don't excuse. You own the fires, James would say, that you have created with your tongue. There is no room, James would say, for sarcasm in family. There is no room for sarcasm in marriage. There is no room for sarcasm in parenting. Parents learn this one early. Sarcasm will not make your children tougher. It will only make it tougher for you to connect with your children. Relationships require closeness. Sarcasm kills closeness. Learn this early. Own it. Break the habit, James would say. Men, dads specifically, I don't know why. Our words are the hottest and the heaviest. Kids, right, and that's all of us in this room, not just those of you who are under 18. Our words are the heaviest words that our parents will ever hear. 
regardless of your age, your words matter to your parents. Women, a little truth about us men, right? We look tough. We act tough. We act like nothing bothers us. We laugh when people criticize us. The truth is our egos are fragile. Guard your words. And men, honor women with your words. Honor women with your words. The women in your life, the women at work, Honor women in the presence of women and honor women when there are no women around. Jesus was known for this. Men, we should be known for this today. Men, that is the world that you want your daughters and your granddaughters growing up in. And men, understand we set the tone. Right? There is no room for words that devalue, dis- de- dishonor, or demean the women around us. Do not allow it. Do not participate in it. And do not contribute to it. And for those of you who have grown up in families and homes and places where you have been scorched by the words of other people, don't repeat the cycle. Likely you have already heard yourself repeating and saying the same words coming out of your mouth that you heard someone speaking to you in your past. And you were like, where did that come from? James just told us. Do not repeat this cycle. Decide that you are going to break it because your words are powerful. And listen, if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, listen, Joe, I'm not arguing. In fact, it's true. This is the problem. It's all true. I needed to hear this 10 years ago. I needed to hear this 20 years ago because if I'm honest, I have already scorched. I have already burned down the relationship or the relationships that are most important to me. So what in the world can I do? Okay, if that's your situation, right, this is what you do. You love, you bless, and you serve. The only way back into a relationship with a person that you once had a relationship with is to love them, bless them, and serve them. You don't argue your way back. You don't fight your way back. You love, you bless, and you serve unconditionally. Why? Because that is what Jesus did for you. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, have the same mindset, he says, as Christ Jesus. The way back into a relationship with someone you once had a relationship with is always to love, bless, and serve. That is how Jesus brought you back. And see, as James reminded all of us last week, as followers of Jesus, we do for others what Jesus has done for us. Or to put it into this week's context, we speak to others the way Jesus has spoken to us first. I mean, can you imagine how radically different our families would be if we did just this? Can you imagine how relationships would change at work? at school if this was the way our tongues were used? I mean, can you imagine how different our world would be? And before we wrap up today, I just want to say one more thing. For those of you who are here today 
and you're still trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing, the whole church thing, or, you know, I used to be, and now I'm trying to figure out or find my way back to whatever, and, and you got all kinds of questions, and I didn't answer any of them for you today, okay? I just want you to hear one thing. Your heavenly Father sent his son Jesus into this world as one who could not speak. Think about that. One of the reasons why I believe the gospel is true is because nobody would make this up. You do not start the story of a savior with a fragile baby who's chased out of his country because of a jealous king. The whole idea that God would actually send his son into this world, not as a preacher, not as a teacher, not as an author, not as a prophet, but as a baby who was speechless and then who lived for 30 years just experiencing life, experiencing life the same way that you experience life, going to the funerals, experiencing the heartache, experiencing the hurt, and seeing the brokenness around him for 30 years, just experiencing what you have experienced. And then after those 30 years, he began to speak. And when he spoke, people flocked to him. Do you know why? Because they felt like he understood what they were experiencing. And the most amazing thing is, if you read the Gospels, right, what you discover is that people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus because they could tell that Jesus actually liked them. And he invited all of them to follow him, and it changed the world, and that invitation still stands today. You are invited to become a follower of Jesus, the older brother of James, who had the same doubts about Jesus that you do until God changed his heart. And see, here's why I'm I'm telling you all this today, why I'm connecting this, because this kind of change that we're talking about today, the change in how we use our words, the change in how it is that we speak with our mouths, that can only happen when God actually changes our hearts. And again, just like we said last week, James, his point in telling us this is not to make us feel guilty and just leave us there. His point is helping us to understand that the only way these kinds of changes happen in us is when God changes us. And when we own it and we confess it, God works. And he changes hearts. And when hearts change, relationships change. Our relationships with each other change. And our relationship with our Heavenly Father changes. Take out that message outline. I want you to turn it over onto the back for just a moment. On the back of the outline this week, what I did is I listed out these four areas, and there's probably more, but these are the four big ones that I could think of at least, where our tongues actually get us into trouble. Right, inappropriate language and joking, gossip, anger, and using words that tear down instead of build up. And so what I want us to do today as we kind of close our time together is I want each of you, each of us, to look at that sheet of paper. I want you to look at those four things there. And I want you to think about which one or ones of those that you find yourself doing the most. Because the truth is, all of us, right, me included, we all struggle with at least one of those and probably many of those. And so I want us to own that and I want us to confess that to our Heavenly Father because as James is going to tell us in just a couple of weeks, healing begins when you confess 
your sin. And so I want to close by leading us in a prayer moment. And I want to pray over you and to pray for you. And as I'm praying, I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I just want you to think about and be honest about with, with yourself, but also with your Heavenly Father. So everyone, if you would just kind of bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just want you to answer these questions honestly to yourself. Are you mad at anybody? Have you had any imaginary extended conversations with somebody lately? Do things actually come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for or that you're embarrassed about? Have you celebrated someone's failure recently? Have you passed along stories that you've heard or stories that you've been told about somebody else that attacks their character or would cause someone else to question that person's integrity? Do you justify saying something negative about somebody else because you think they deserve it? Heavenly Father, as all of us, as we think about those questions and as we take these moments to examine our own hearts personally, Father, our prayer is that we would begin to own these things personally with you and that you would actually bring healing to our souls and healing to our relationships, the relationships that we have damaged or maybe even destroyed with our words. And Father, for those of us who are here and we're listening today and we're wondering and we're hoping, could it be true? Is it true? Is it really true for me? Father, please change hearts. Give faith. Strengthen faith. And Father, we ask that you would hear us in these next few moments as each of us as we personally and silently confess our sin to you. Perhaps while you were praying, God actually brought someone to mind. A name, a face. Don't ignore that. Don't dismiss that. Allow God to do what only he can do. And change a heart. Change a relationship. Repair what's been broken. 
The good news of the gospel is that your heavenly father, he is loving, he is faithful, and he is just. And just as he promised, he has forgiven you of your sin by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So you are truly forgiven and loved in Jesus' name.